On this week's episode of the Be A Better Ally podcast, I am really excited to introduce Scout and Skipper. Scout and Skipper are affiliated with SOGI, that is S-O-G-I, and it stands for Sexual Orientation and Gender Identity. I just want to read to you from SojiEducation.org. So I'm quoting here directly from that site, which I will include in our show notes. Unlike the acronym LGBTQ+, SOGI is a subject or topic and not a list of specific identities. It is an inclusive term that is relevant to all individuals, regardless of where they identify on the sexual orientation or gender identity spectrums. Um, And so SOGI is a part of the BC educational model. Scout and Skipper are going to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about the work that they do with SOGI and how that work might be something that your school, regardless of where in the world you are listening from, might be something that you can replicate. So my name is Scout and I am the SOGI program lead, the SOGI123 program lead, um, which means that it's my job to support educators in, in schools and districts in reaching their SOGI inclusive education goals. Uh, It's a pretty great job. I just started last August and uh, I've been working in nonprofits uh, in and around the education system for many years. And so it felt like such a great fit to move into this role. Hi, my name is Skipper. I use the pronouns he, him. Um, I actually go by my last name, uh, Skipper, but it's Mr. Skipper to the kids. and I teach at uh, Stratford Hall uh, IB School in Vancouver. Um, and I first um, actually encountered Soji uh, only maybe five years ago. Um, I am uh, a gay male. And when I actually first went to teaching, I had actually wanted to go into teaching and be that, offer students an opportunity to meet somebody who is gay that wasn't the stereotype on TV. And that was 14 years ago. And when I did that, when I first got into teaching, I actually never ended up coming out to my kids. I always was out to my, my staff because um, I, I thought that was important, but I never did for my, my students. And uh, it wasn't until about, I guess, seven years ago that I did come out to my kids. Uh, just It was just the perfect timing. And it was, they were being so heteronormative in, in their attitudes. And they're like, when, you know, who's your, who's your girlfriend? Who's your wife? <laughs> and so eventually I was just like, I need to tell you something. And so I, I came out to them and it was, it was great. Uh, but I actually thought I knew a lot more than I did regarding Soji until a student came out to me as being transgender. And I was so excited. Uh, and I was I probably far more excited than they were. And um, it kind of, it, it wasn't what they wanted. They wanted the support. And I thought like, oh, I totally understand how you feel. I'm, the, I'm in one of the letters. Like, I understand. You're T, I'm, I'm G, this is great. And I knew, I was just so ignorant. I knew very little. And so I actually ended up going to uh, a workshop put on by the Canadian Center for Gender and Sexual Diversity uh, and the Burnaby School District. And I was blown away by how little I knew. And from there, I got introduced to the concept of SOGI. Um, and then I came back, formed a committee in my own school, created some allies, and then eventually found a connection through to the ISABC, the Independent School Association of British Columbia, and formed a, 
with the help of a scout and uh, so G123 formed a, a support group, uh, a collaborative group of teachers who now I, I help lead um, as part of uh, SOGI inclusivity within ISABC independent schools. Great. I'm really happy that you brought that up because something that I find in a lot of the professional development that I offer is, you know, often straight allies will tell me uh, kind of behind the scenes, you know, I'm just really nervous about saying the wrong thing. And I often tell them, look, you know, like recognizing what we don't know is part of the process. It's part of the process for me, even though I'm a lesbian, you know, like I don't know all of the things and that's something that we're all dealing with together. So I'm sort of, uh, I'm really glad that you brought that up. From your perspective, are sort of your two biggest goals when it comes to SOGI uh, locally here in, in British Columbia, what might you like to see achieved by the end of 2021? So yeah, for me, I work with educators all across BC, but also in Alberta. And so actually part of my goal or, or our goal as a program, so do you want to see the program is actually not so much about BC, but it's about expansion. Um, there are places in a lot of the rest of Canada that's really interested in replicating what we've been doing here. So one of the big goals we have for by the end of 2021 is to be working, connecting with more provinces. Um, the schools generally are our provincial domain and so things really has to, has to be province by province so that's one really big goal we have um, to expand at that we're already in Alberta as I said but um, lots of interest so that's really exciting and then the other main goal that I have and that we we talk a lot about as an organization is to continue uh, deepening our relationships with Indigenous ways of knowing and with First Nations schools and with Indigenous students and making sure that SOGI can take on, uh, can, can shift the way that it looks at things because, you know, that um, even the term SOGI may not be the right term for Indigenous students or for people who identify as Two-Spirit. So continuing to learn what that looks like. Uh, we've been partnering more and more with First Nations schools and First Nations educators and uh, expanding that and deepening into that is another big goal. So for, for, from my point of view, um, I, I predominantly work within my own, my own school, my little Stratford Hall, but I also work with other independent schools and, and closely with uh, Scout uh, from ARC. And I, for me, I would, ideally, I'd like the belief that every student, specifically LGBTQ2S plus students, feel safe and welcome in their school and being able to be able to be their true self, no matter what school they attend, and to have some sort of consistency across the schools. And so that you wouldn't be able to necessarily identify uh, one school as being, you're always going to have a school being better than another school in the sense of being more uh, socially inclusive, potentially. There's, there's going to be a, a, a scale, so to say. But for there to be as little, uh, not as an obvious scale as much as possible. And that is that no matter what school you go to, you'd be getting the same socially inclusivity at every school. Um, but also to help create connections between the schools so that uh, LGBTQ2S plus students can find their communities and make meaningful and healthy relationships. There's a lot of misconceptions around uh, 
you know, certain cultures and certain places, like, oh, is it even still an issue there? So this next question around obstacles that you've seen in schools um, in Canada, what would you identify? I'm guessing there are some obstacles because I, I think there are everywhere. Uh, what are the obstacles that you've seen when it comes to schools becoming more LGBTQ plus inclusive? Um, so in my experience, I've worked in UK, in London, and I've worked in Canada. And it's actually really interesting right now in, in the UK, there's a lot going on or was in the news. I, I mean, a, a lot of time you hear a lot of the negative things that are going on in the news rather than the celebrating of all the wonderful things that are happening related to Sochi. Um, and I wish in hindsight now, going back, I wish I could make a difference in UK in the same way that I've been able to make a difference here. And I think uh, the, one of the, based on that experience, I think the, the three things that come to mind, number one is lack of data or data, <laughs> depending which, how you say it. Uh, basically, if it's not present and visible, it doesn't exist. So if there's no demand, there's no need to supply support. And collecting data can be actually challenging and invasive to privacy. Um, thankfully, I was able to do that here within, uh, within my own school, be able to find data to, to basically show that this is relevant. And I think other schools have also begun the process in doing that. Uh, but without data, there a lot of people and schools and themselves don't feel they can actually move forward on that. Um, also, the lack of consistency in the right or the correct model in making the first steps in being SOGI inclusive. So generally, I find that the move to be more SOGI inclusive has come from individuals rather than the school. So the individual has taken an action within the school, which therefore the school then takes it on, rather than a school being um, within proactive within themselves and be like, this is really important for us and we're going to take the first steps. Um, and then uh, time. So we know that, uh, you know, SOGI inclusivity benefits all students. But for some schools, it's uh, the challenge they face is that they're trying to navigate uh, how it fits in within their belief systems or values. And so they, they need to to find the best way to actually do that. Um, if it doesn't fit, then they have to find a way that it does. Yeah, and that comparison is so interesting. Like I even find working in both Alberta and in BC, Alberta is seen as the more conservative place and it is in some ways um, and, and BC is seen as the more progressive. And so I'm often hearing from the Alberta folks being like, oh, it must be so much better. It must be so much easier there in BC. Um, but it's actually really similar. Like the schools, the districts are talking about the same things and are, um, of course, like you were saying, Skipper, like every school, every region is maybe at a slightly different point, but like when you average it out, it's kind of the same. Um, you know, everyone can do a little bit and um, there, yeah, there's room for everyone to grow. And we talk a lot about meeting every school, every every educator, every district where they're at and expecting them to do a little bit more. Um, yeah, because I do find one of the biggest obstacles is just this fear, right? This fear of doing it wrong that you mentioned, the fear of, of parents getting mad, the fear of community backlash, you know? So um, what's really important is to know that the system has your back because often it's the 
the teachers, the, the administrators, the principals, right, that are going to be facing this. And if they don't know that that the school or the region or the district or the, their boss, you know, everyone's got a boss. If they don't know that that person has their back, um, then they might not act. And then it does come down to that individual person saying like, you know, this, this is important to me and I'm gonna do it, which is happening, but it can happen so much more on a broad scale when the whole system is there. And I think that's a big part of why we've seen this big wave of support in BC and it's really grown is because the people at the top are behind it. The work is really happening on the, you know, on the ground in the classrooms, in the schools. That's where the work is really happening very from the ground up, but, but the system, the bosses all are behind it as well. I think all, all, all schools who we work with definitely feel that they would like their heads to know that this is important and they there's this common idea if you put all the heads together instead of the message being relayed several times over and over again let's just have the one message have everybody in the same room together and and to hear also to hear the success stories which is part of the data the idea of like actually this has done some great things, not just for our LGBTQ2 plus students, but also for all the students in our school. Our school is a safe mm -hmm. place. Students can feel to be themselves. Um, you know, maybe things like bullying has gone down or um, other forms of discrimination have also gone down because we've created an environment which is uh, inclusive to all people. And it's not just with students, it's with teachers. And, yeah. with, and as you, uh, Scout mentioned, even going out to parents, um, and recognizing that they're part of our community as well, and that there are, it affects them in a positive way as well. Absolutely. Um, so the next question is, is just sort of a, like a resource dump, if you will, if there's been any books or sites or, or key figures, um, podcasts that have been really informative to your philosophy, your approach when it comes to developing SOGI, uh, any kind of recommendations that you have would be great. I'm going to do a call out to Soji123 because actually I would say what, how beneficial that is, again, to have this idea of one centralized place. And over the years uh, of working with Soji123 and ARC, just being able to have them be that support network um, and with Scout, but with the people who worked with there before Scout and being able to, to know that we could always reach out and they were able to... Uh, kind of direct us into the where the resources would be. I mean that that with anything, there's always like there's so many resources out there. It's so nice to be able to go to one person and be like, I need this. Where should I go? What should I do? And they have their their own resources, but they're also able to direct you in the right direction. The other big piece of resource I would say are my colleagues and peers. I I. The, Having now worked with uh, the group within the ISABC, the independent school sector, having that group of peers, being able to, again, the same thing where I'm like, I, I need help with this topic or this, we just send it out as an email and you can get responses from a variety of different people of things that not just like, oh, this is a resource that's on the internet, but it's like, actually, this is something we did in our school and it worked or it didn't work. Or if you did this, it could make it better. So I think that that has honestly, those are the, the biggest places that I have gone to. Um, 
and sorry, that's not, maybe not as helpful and like, here's the resource you should go to, but those are the two that I have decided. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, in a funny way, I think my answer is really similar. Like, this being my job, I, I really um, have been steeped in the philosophy of this organization and of the program of SOGI123 and, and the way it's been built, it's so collaborative. It's so it's it's entirely based on educators sharing their experiences with other educators because when like we ask right we do surveys and people the educators always tell us the main thing they want is like more time to collaborate with each other so that's a big part of the work we do is just creating those spaces and inviting people to come in and talk to each other and yeah a ton of the resources on our site are just available so sojieducation.org I'll do my little plug. Um, there's work that we're doing specifically in BC. Of course, we have funding here to work much more directly with educators, but there's lots and there's more all the time that is just available for anyone, any educator, anyone who works in schools to come and check out and borrow from what we're doing. Um, yeah, so, so go check it out. And that, that sort of is a, a great transition into my next question. You know, I, I think it is remarkable that Canada sort of has this nice unified approach and you're mentioning the idea that it's been built from kind of a, a place of let's collaborate and let's work together rather than necessarily like a top-down I'm going to write this hey teachers just sort of follow it so if there were another country or you know I'm thinking even of um, you know like it's surprising to me that the IB doesn't have something like this some sort of um, better guidance for schools when it comes to delivering this system of education what have you been a part of that you think is something that others can replicate so even if you just want to expand on that idea of how how did you map out the collaboration what worked really well or looking back what as an organization would you do differently if you were starting all over again now mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll talk a bit of the history of how we got here. So um, we've been working in BC for four years, five, something like that. It's it's really quite a young program considering. Um, and when we started, it was um, on a pretty small scale. So we brought together nine school districts in BC and, and there's 60. So we started with public school districts and um, we knew that just from, from friends, really. It was like friends who are teachers. We knew that there was some informal collaboration going on where there was like a group of educators from different districts who were, who were chatting and connected and they knew that they were sort of the SOGI inclusive educators within their districts. Um, I don't think, I don't know if they called themselves that at the time, but it was kind of this informal network that was growing. And so um, ARC was able to get funding to start this this pilot with nine districts and it was quite popular and um, that like about six months after that pilot started it was when the province added gender identity and expression to the human rights code and so because it was in the human rights code it needed to, it needs to be reflected in schools codes of conduct that's sort of like a step that follows so the ministry of education here put out this expectation that all schools um, add SOGI, well, add, add 
sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression to their codes of conduct. And at the same time, um, our, our, we're, we're a nonprofit, the funding, we've got some more funding to expand the program. And we said, hey, do any other districts want to join? And we went from nine to 54 um, mm -hmm. by the end of that school year. So it was like, everyone was just like, yes, we, we want this. Um, and the last um, to get up to 60 happened pretty quick. We were able to start working with independent schools. Like it grew so quickly. I think that that it, it, it had this sense of everyone being involved, right? When everyone owns something, then everyone feels responsible and no one feels too worried about like taking that blame as well. Hmm. So because it was going to be like, hey, we're all doing this together. I think some, some districts jumped right in because they wanted to be shown to be seen to be like the leaders, right? Maybe other districts jumped in because they kind of knew they had to because they didn't want to be seen to be regressive in some ways, right? Um, and so we also were able, along with working with these um, networks of educators, connecting them. Really, I just, I do a lot of facilitating meetings, right? We like pull educators together from different districts. We talk about it. They can all feel more confident in the work they're doing because they know other districts are doing it well. Like schools can sometimes feel a little conservative, right? They don't want to be too radical to scare away families or whatever, but when they know that everyone else or most everyone else is doing it, they all have that permission to take these steps. Um, and yeah, at the same time, we work with all the leaders in education in BC. So the Principals Association, the Teachers Association, the Independent Schools Association, all of those groups are also on board and they meet and they talk about how they can reach their social education goals. So. It's, it's pretty cool. I think that at the same time, having this expectation from the top, from the Ministry of Education as the, the from the ground up effort of the educators and the teachers in the classroom, knowing that this was important, it all, it all just came together. Mm -hmm. If I could just add something, I, I totally agree. And actually, I think the system that the BC government actually did was actually the correct order of how to get it done. Um, and to ensure that if you just, that they didn't just say, okay, we're going to mandate that you now have to have uh, protection of these students and, and then throw out a term like SOGI. And then you're like, well, well, what is this? So the fact that there was somebody there to help support SOGI123 was there mm -hmm. uh, to help guide, not just teachers though, but that was the important part that was actually there for parents as well. And so that it didn't feel exclusive. It was like inclusive of everybody, which is the term soji in that sense of being inclusive however the top-down model there i think there's time and a place for it and i think now we're getting to the point of like well actually i think we do within schools we now need to have it where it's like actually this is an important part of our school in the same way of indigenous uh indigenous teaching and, and ways of knowing that we actually have uh teachers who are like leads in that sense uh, that there should be a SOGI lead within all schools and not just a SOGI lead, but a SOGI committee, a, a group of teachers who work together um, to support each other. And I think that needs to kind of come from the top down in that sense and not just wait for this, this void to be there that somebody who has passion or a connection to SOGI is going to come in. Um, and I think now there's enough momentum that that can now be put into place. Is my understanding that one of the goals is to ensure that you have a, a SOGI representative, a teacher representative at every school in the, in the province? 
the vast majority of schools have a school lead. Absolutely. Um, it's been a lot easier to connect with the public schools because there's a system, right? We are able to reach out. There's a district for every district and then the district leads responsibility is to recruit a school lead in every school. Um, so me just being one person doing this work, I'm able to, to manage that, to connect with 60 public school districts. So they each can connect to their, all their hundreds of schools, thousands of schools across the province. Um, with the independent schools and the First Nation schools, I kind of have to <laughs> connect one-to-one, -one, right? The, the, so the organizations like, the ISABCSBC and the support skippers able to do to try to reach out to more and more of those independent schools and then same thing we're growing with the First Nations School Association. Those are sort of the three categories of schools that exist in BC, the public schools, independent schools, and the First Nations schools. Uh, and I'm wondering if you would sort of speak a little bit more to the either the skills or the characteristics or the type of work that you are hoping uh, a SOGI representative, a SOGI teacher lead will do. Um, and I'll, I'm asking that from the angle of somebody who's listening, they're at a school, maybe they, they don't necessarily, you know, they, they can't rely on SOGI, but they're thinking, oh, that's an interesting idea. What if we ask a teacher, perhaps give a teacher a little bit of time to work on this? So what are some of the things that they would be hopefully doing for their school? Like what would that look and sound like? It's a good question. I was going to say, if you are listening, this is for you. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, I, I think it's interesting you actually use the word representative. And I, 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 I'm denied about this word in the beginning. And I think some people use reps, some use the lead. And I, I like the word lead um, because actually we all represent Soji. We all, we all have a sexual orientation and gender identity. And I, I think being a leader in this in this way is more is a better term for the role that one would represent one would represent one would be if they were a soji lead um i think they they basically they need to have the ability to believe that they can actually make a difference i think that's important that you're like you know what i can make a difference whether big or small and it, historically at least in the independent sector um many of the soji leads were actually counselors um, and these were typically people because uh, people who actually had first-hand account working with students who were LGBTQ plus if anybody was to come out it would be most likely to, uh, to a counselor if they felt safest with and counselors within the uh, independent sector along with a few teachers actually are the ones who kind of created the first steps in making social inclusivity within our schools so I think to honor the fact that if, if you have the, the traits of a counselor or somebody who is a great listener, they're open-minded, they can see multiple perspectives, uh, they can build trust, identify the need for potentially a change, and then kind of help guide people through that change uh, by questioning, celebrating, and supporting along the way. So the somebody who, um, like I've worked with several SOGI leads within the independent sector, and they are, there's not one dis, dis necessarily defining factor about them, um, and they all from different parts of the background of the community, but they definitely have a belief that they can make a difference and a change and can help strengthen that community. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, 
I don't think we can reiterate enough how we use the term soji really intentionally um, and that everybody has a sexual orientation and gender identity. You know, it's easy, of course, to conflate this work with um, being for LGBTQ students. And um, of course it is, of course, those can be some of the more marginalized or vulnerable students in schools. Um, but this work is for everyone. And so then that extends to educators as well. Uh, I'm sure there's folks out there who are thinking, well, I'm straight, so I can't be the SOGI lead. And, and I actually think it's something really beautiful about this program and the initiative is that the, certainly representation is important and it's important like to have those voices come to the table. You know, like I, identify as non-binary and I use they them pronouns and I think it's really important to have my voice here in the you know in the conversation as well um but it's really amazing that the this is done by this work is done by straight folks and cis folks as well um and that everybody can bring that and that um you don't need to already know everything because a lot of educators feel like they don't already know everything about the topic. So you can use that, right? You can say like, well, I'm learning too, let's learn together. You know, I think everybody who um, is passionate about making schools a safer place for all students can be a SOGI lead. And if you bring that to the heart of it, and that's just already true of so many good educators, that's where a lot of people's heart is. And this really just needs someone who can, can, focus on this and dedicate some of their energy. Um, but ultimately, I think most educators, most good educators are already passionate about making schools safer places for students. And that's at the core of it. I just want to add to that, Scout, that I think one of the the, the challenges, I totally think you're right, the educators are like, you're already set up for this. Hence, you know, this is why it'd be such a great role for anybody. The challenge that many of these schools, especially if there hasn't already been a SOGI lead within the school, is that you, you'd have to be ready to know, first of all, that you have a backup of, of, of a lot of people who can back you up, but be ready to take action. It can be a small piece of action, but just enough that it begins the process. It's, and that's, you will have the support, you will have the people there to support you. Uh, but there is that aspect of you have to take a first step in many ways. Yeah, just like start the conversation, you know, yeah. reach out to your colleagues, think about the people who you, you are guessing are maybe the most likely to be, to jump on this bandwagon, to be the most inclusive, right? And just say like, hey, maybe we can have a book club. Maybe we can just like have a conversation group about this. Let's let's start exploring what it would look like. Um, I mean, we, yeah, we have even resources on our website of like, you wanna start your own SOGI Inclusive Educator Network in your area, here are some things you could do to just start that. Um, and every, anyone can, can take that on. Great, and I'll, I'll make sure to include the, the link to that in our, in our show notes. I really loved what you both said about this idea of, you know, ideally it's a person with some, some leadership skills, or, um, you know, a person who is keen to actually maybe aspire to develop those skills. And as well, just that idea of having that intellectual humility to say, well, I might not know it all, but I definitely want to learn more. Um, I think in my own exploration of this kind of work, that's what's, you know, influenced me in thinking, you know, teachers 
you, you both talked about the, the role that fear plays sometimes with this. And I think we see that in different elements of, of education, right? Like even when it comes to digital literacy, I think sometimes teachers are like, oh, I'm afraid to look stupid in front of my, my students and not know how to do this. Um, you know, and I kind of think that's been some of my learning the longer I've been in education is the more psychological safety that's in schools, the more teachers are going to be, um, I think, open to taking risks. So I'm wondering for both of you, if the work that you've done with Soji has influenced you um, in maybe less obvious ways, either the way that you collaborate with peers, the way that you have conversation with family or friends, just any other sort of, oh, what I've learned in this space has also uh, affected the way that I do something in a, a completely different space. I say for myself, um, I think the biggest impact it has had is actually with my friends and family and just being able to um, kind of bring Soji education within my own conversations with, with my family and my friends and just how um, they're learning just as much as I'm learning uh, that it's, that we don't, I don't know everything and, and just bring up conversations, questions, um, even things to do with like, you know, having like new words, new vocab. Uh, I just learned the new word nibbling yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved it. I was like, that is such a cool word. This is a, you know, not a non-gender specific name for a sibling. Uh, for a nephew or a niece, sorry, and just, it's the nibbling, and I, I taught it to my mom and and to my other my siblings, and it was so cool to hear them, you know, to listen, take it in, and to begin a conversation about why, you know, like do we do we need to actually call them nephew and nieces? Like, what what is the point behind that? Just beginning conversations about that, and I just think that's kind of cool to have that uh, that ability to bring education within my own school practice, but to bring it within my family and friends. Yeah, this is a, such an interesting question. I think that it is, um, I think it's trying to get me to do better at applying this, what I tell educators all the time to try to get me to apply that to other places in my life where I'm a learner, right? So I spend a lot of time especially talking to you know straight educators especially in small rural communities where they maybe don't know or they think they don't know any queer trans people that it's okay for them to be making mistakes that it's okay for them to be learning and it's okay for them to be the leads um despite not being sort of personally connected and so i think i've been slowly it's because it's a hard thing to learn trying to apply that to other places in my life where i'm a learner so you know, thinking about being a better ally to um, to racialized communities, for example, and like as a white person, could I apply this learning about what I'm advocating for around Soji? Could I do that to be uh, a better, you know, anti-racist, for example? It's a hard thing, even though as much as I say, hey, everyone can do it, everyone apply it to your lives, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's still, I I find I'm still learning that message as well for myself. I think I would add, during this time of remote learning, um, you know, during what's really like a global crisis, I'm hearing that 
that it's hard for some folks to continue to focus on inclusive education, right? They, people are just scrambling to move things digitally, right? They're just scrambling to do basic education or what's seen as basic education. And it's sometimes doing something like being more socially inclusive can be seen as an add-on like oh i have to now also figure out how to do a lesson plan that somehow incorporates the gay character or something like that um and so you know just a reminder that socially inclusive education can just be woven into the fabric of what you're already doing right it doesn't actually have to be a specific lesson plan or something you go out of your way because I know that so many educators are stretched thin right now, you know, especially those who have kids at home or are trying to parent and homeschool and teach at the same time or, or whatever it is um, that, you know, it can be as simple as, uh, you know, using they and them pronouns for a singular person in a random sentence about a math question, a math, you know, a word problem, or, you know, just, just throwing some example out into the world about someone who has two moms, right? It can be really simple and it doesn't have to be its own special thing that takes more time and energy, especially during this time when a lot of people don't have a lot of extra time and energy. I agree. I think one of the, the challenges that actually with the remote online learning is actually it feels in many ways that we're going back into these closed classrooms. And so my, so people, when there were like, you know, this, the classrooms were open and there was a lot more collaboration, not to say collaboration is not happening, but you're, you're, unless it's actually really part of your pedagogy, it's kind of like, or it's naturally occurring in your day to day within your own classroom. It's as add on to what Scout saying, it's hard to kind of, to incorporate that. Um, and so it is a lot about, if anything, it is, it's kind of, as you're saying, adding that perspective. So just think of different perspectives, uh, think beyond just your own perspective of your own privileges and, and kind of like, wait a minute, I need to include other people and other uh, identities within this. And then if anything within schools with the, the GSAs have been so, so helpful. I think it's really important that schools uh, continue with their GSAs just a, a place where students know they can go, where they can just be safe to hang out. And as long as that information's out there for students to know, like there's a, a Zoom hangout spot or a Google hangout place where we can chat or just meet up. Um, and just so they have like a, mainly because a lot of these students are actually sitting and working in unhealthy environments potentially, and they're, they're not feeling safe in their own home. And they can't really say potentially to their parents that they're like, oh, I need to go to this GSA thing, or they just need to make sure it's part of their natural like school life. So if a school can do that in any format where they're creating these safe environments, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that's, I've seen a few interesting things happening online for students. I think it was Glad, but I've got to check this out. They ran this sort of um, live viewing party for the half of it for teens. And it was sort of this, this kind of live tweeting. It was a nice little community piece. Um, and, and so I, I think that's, that's another great thing for different Soji leads or anybody who's passionate about this work to just be aware of some of those other opportunities 
for students in a situation like this, but also for, for teachers. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that I've often rec recommended to straight allies is check your media diet. When's the last time that you read a book with a trans pr protagonist? You know, when's the last time you watched a movie by a queer filmmaker? Um, and it's been great to see some people kind of, kind of um, making, making the time for that because in many ways, if a student is in that unsafe environment, it's actually more important now than ever. Um, so for our listeners who would love to um, ask you a follow-up question or perhaps now they're inspired to become a SOGI lead, uh, what, would their, what would their next steps be? How can, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Uh, they can they can contact me. I'd love to hear from them. By the way, I'm I'm so thank you to all Soji leads out there and future Soji leads. Yes, that's you. Um, you can definitely contact me at skipper at Stratford Hall. Skipper at StratfordHall.ca. Stratford Hall S T R A T F O R D H A L L. StratfordHall.ca. Skipper at StratfordHall.ca. And maybe for me, I'll actually send you our. Um generic email because then it can be sent to the right person depending on what you're looking for uh so info at sojieducation.org will go kind of to our main office and then you get forwarded on so depending on who you are and where you are and what kind of resources you're looking for you'll get passed to the right person uh including me and again at sojieducation.org is our website which has a ton of just available stuff right like it's it's all out there it's all open source like come check it out learn from what we've been learning in bc and um and especially if you're in other parts of canada and you want us to come to you let us know because the more we hear from educators saying hey we really want you here that also helps us build the case to try to expand the program in terms of the more hands-on support that we can give you the stuff on our website it's available no matter where you are in the world but we can of course um be more directly supportive to educators when we have funding from that region those email addresses as well as the links that were recommended by scout and skipper are available to you in the show notes for our podcast thank you again scout and skipper for giving up some of your time to share your expertise and the story behind soji with us 